Tonight, Isaiah chapter 6, and that song, by the way, was beautiful, but it was also most appropriate. The servant's heart, the servant's heart. And we're going to see that in a special way in the life of Isaiah as we look in a message called The Story Behind, Here Am I. The Story Behind, Here Am I. Uh, Everything has a story behind it. You know, think about how you got saved. If you're here tonight, you know the Lord Jesus Christ, your personal Savior. There's a story behind that. And uh, it's good for other people to hear that, by the way. Uh, the events of your life, the things that transpired, the way and the manner in which the gospel came to you or I, uh, we had no control over that. God was in control of that. And uh, those stories can be uh, uh, many and varied of the circumstances and the things there. It's always interesting to know what, what went on leading up to this. Well, here am I is a well-known verse of Scripture. It's in this passage we're going to read. And, uh, but there is a story behind it. And certainly those words, here am I, send me, is indicative of a servant's heart in Isaiah. But how did all that come about? What's really in that and behind that? Uh, we're going to look at that tonight. But let's read the passage there in Isaiah chapter 6, beginning in verse number 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, <clears throat> I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne. High and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this has touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is is taken away, and thy sin purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then said I, here am I. Send me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, it is a privilege to be here tonight and to open the book, the Word of God. We ask for the work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts tonight. In the preaching, the Word, in the hearing of the Word, in the understanding of the Word, and most of all, in the application of it in our lives. Whatever the needs are here tonight, and Father, needs can be many and varied. But Lord, in every case, you have an answer. You have a direction. You have a purpose. And I pray that you would reveal that, show that, and accomplish that tonight. And bless this time. We pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Here am I. Send me. That's how it all started for me, going to the Czech Republic. Actually, I came down at the end of an evening service, special meetings we were having. And uh, many things that preceded this, but... uh, my heart had been burdened for a long time about a place called Czechoslovakia. It doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> right? They changed the country. While I was on our, our, our uh, deputation time seeking support to go to Czechoslovakia, they changed the country. I had to change all my displays and everything. <laughs> Suddenly it was the Czech Republic and Slovakia. But what was important, though, is at that time, as I say, my heart had been burdened for a long time for many circumstances that had brought to that. But... There came the day, and that evening, uh, after the preaching of the word, I just came forward, I knelt at an altar, and I prayed those words. Prayed those words. Lord, here am I, send me. And then I put an address on it, 
I said, send me to Czechoslovakia. And God just began to work in amazing ways uh, following that. And uh, that whole story is, uh, gave to, to us, a, over the next few months, an incredible confirmation and clarity about exactly what God's will was for us. And so we, we followed that course and set out, and that's where we are today. <laughs> and Because uh, God has never changed those, uh, those directions, and so we remain there. And, you know, that's the best thing to do. You get an order, just keep with it until God gives you another one. <laughs> it's pretty simple, really, to just follow the Lord. Just obey Him until He says something to, to, to go on. But uh, the point is, here am I, send me. Is that, certainly that testimony can be repeated many, many times th- th- throughout the uh, uh, the, the, the times of God's people and the call of men to, to serve him, uh, it, it's a simple statement of submission to him. Here am I. Send me. It's, a, it's, a, it's a, a putting ourselves on the altar. It's making ourselves available. But there's a whole lot behind it. It's a whole lot behind uh, Isaiah uh, saying those words, uh, which is really an answer to a question that preceded it. And um, to do that, we, we're going to go not just up to the beginning of this passage, but I uh, go to verse number one, but the very first phrase, the very first phrase says, in the year that King Uzziah died. And from that point on, we see the, 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 the vision Isaiah had on all the things that transpired there, which are very, very important as we lead up to the uh, 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 verse number eight. But the phrase in the year that King Uzziah died is not just uh, superfluous, it's not just extra words. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's meaning behind the things God puts here. And what, what is it about Uzziah? Is there something in that that maybe sheds more light on, on this whole circumstance here? I believe there is tonight. And uh, I'd like you to go with me to Second Chronicles chapter 26. Second Chronicles chapter 26, which is, tells us about the reign, the time of Uzziah. Second Chronicles chapter 26. Six. We find here in the beginning of the chapter concerning Uzziah. And by the way, uh, <clears throat> Uzziah, Isaiah, I don't want to get your ears tuned. Okay, you'll start hearing these terms, and I don't want you to confuse them. Um, Uzziah is the king, Isaiah is the prophet. And, uh, but in, verse 20, in chapter 26 there, we find out he was 16 years old when he uh, came to the throne, but... Uh, a little further down, we, uh, verse number three, we find out that his reign lasted 52 years. Now, that was one of the longest reigns of the kings uh, of either Judah or Israel, but the, Judah being here, the, the, the southern kingdom. But uh, he reigned for a long time, a long time. And importantly, in verse number four, it says, and he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father Amaziah did. And uh, praise God, he did like his father did. And uh, just that alone is a message of itself, uh, the influence of fathers. But the important thing is that he did that was, which was right. And verse 5 says, that what was the result of that? And he sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding of the visions of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. Now, we don't preach a prosperity gospel today, but there is the promise of God concerning our service to him that as we follow him, he does bless in our life. He meets the needs. He, he, the prosperity that we seek, the prosperity that we want is this prosperity of uh, the things of God in our life. And if that translates, as in the case of, of, of King Uzziah, 
that his reign would prosper, the country would prosper, those types of things. That's, that's wonderful. That's all fine and good, but it's to God's glory. Uh, we, we don't seek God. We don't follow the Lord for the purpose of getting things for ourselves. That's, that's the point. And, and, and Uzziah didn't. He did that which was right. So he had a right heart and he sought the Lord and God prospered him in, in many ways. Fact is, he, he, he built the city up. Uh, he was a good city manager, you could say. He, he, there was the, the building projects that went on. The, the, the scriptures here talk about that. The army uh, increased in number and was powerful. They had weapons that were produced. Uh, his fame, the Bible says, was throughout. Uh, it spread uh, throughout the, 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 the region. Uh, others knew of him. So his, his people were content. They, they were prospering under his reign. He was prospering. Things were going well. And he had the fame the admiration of many beyond his own people. So what a successful, what a story of success. You know, you, you just, if you have a story like that and then, you know, he lived out his days and, and went home to be with all that, just a wonderful, wonderful story. But that's not what happened. That's not what took place. And uh, <clears throat> it says in verse number 15, it said, And he made in Jerusalem engines invented by cunning men to be on the towers upon the bolt works to shoot arrows and great stones withal. But the last phrase, the last phrase, and his name spread far abroad for he was marvelously helped till he was strong, till he was strong. What, what an awful thing when a person's life follows such a course of, of God's blessing for so long and in so many ways, but there comes a day when it ends. And he veers off course. This is what happened to Uzziah. And you say, till he was strong. Well, what's wrong with being strong? There's nothing wrong with being strong. What's wrong is what happened in his heart. Because in verse 16, it says, but when he was strong, then here's the problem. His heart was lifted up to his destruction. Destruction. Pride goeth before fall, the scriptures say. Before destruction, Proverbs 16, verse 18. And uh, that's always been the case. It's been that way since the very beginning. Lucifer himself. I will be like the Most High. He, he lifted himself up. So this is this always where things come back to. This, this pride of man that we have to be so careful of. This was Uzziah. It's such a tragic story. It's, it's heartbreaking to read this. It says, uh, but what did he do? What did he do that was so bad when he was lifted up with pride? For he transgressed against the Lord his God... And went into the temple of the Lord to burn incense upon the altar of incense. Well, now, wait a minute. We could understand if, it, if the Bible said, well, you know, he got proud and then he went out and he committed all kinds of uh, immoral sins. And, uh, or or he, he, he callously uh, uh, murdered or he callously dealt with the uh, people in the land, with the poor, or, or did horrendous things. But what we read here is that he went into the temple... To burn incense. That doesn't sound so bad, does it? What's wrong with that? In fact, what would his motives have been? He, he went into the, the temple to burn incense. Well, the purpose of that is, of course, to, it, 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 it's to, to worship God. But there's a special symbolism associated with the, the altar of incense. And that is the, the prayers of God's people. Uh, going up before the Revelation 8 talks about this. And the smoke of the incense that ascended up, which are the prayers of God's people. That, that, this is a symbolism of the temple. The earthly uh, temple. 
And uh, so he's going in there in, in, in a, in, in what he's doing is a form of worship. And yet this is what the scriptures say was his transgression. This was his sin, which was unto his destruction. The, the, it, it seems kind of like out of whack, out of, out of balance here, uh, extreme. And uh, as we read on, we'll see a little bit more about why. But Azariah the priest went in after him and with him fourscore priests. So 80 of the priests with Azariah went in that were valiant men, it says. And they withstood Uzziah the king. Now, that's a pretty difficult thing to do. <laughs> Uzziah is the king. All right? he's, he's got power. But they did what was right. These were good men. They, they withstood him and said, It appertaineth not unto the Uzziah to burn incense unto the Lord. But to the priests, the sons of Aaron, that are consecrated to burn incense. Go out of the sanctuary, for thou hast trespassed. Neither shall it be for thine honor from the Lord. So the problem was that what he did, which on the outward, with, with, with uh, uh, undiscerning eyes, we'd look at it and say, well, isn't that a good thing? I mean, he went to burn incense to, 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 to give praise and worship unto the Lord. But he didn't do it God's way. Amen. He didn't do it God's way. And this, he, he was then re, reproved for this and, uh, <clears throat> and told that what you are doing is wrong. Now, the scriptures make it very clear that, that they, that's, they were correct in what they said. Uh, it, it says in, in Numbers chapter 16, verse 48, that the, the, those who do this at the altar of incense must be of Aaron uh, to, to, to perform this. So they had to be the descendants of Aaron in the Levitical tribe uh, to be... Uh, in that office to, to do that. You know, God has a, God has a way of doing things. Amen. And it, it, it's, it's the right way because it's God's way. Amen. That doesn't mean it always agrees with the way we might see things, the way we might feel about it. What is God's way today, in our day? We don't have a temple and we don't have a tabernacle and, and all those kinds of things. What we have is churches. Churches. Now, this is what the Lord has established. He puts pretty high value on churches, by the way. Scripture even said uh, uh, that he gave himself for it. And as husbands love your wives, even as Christ loved the church, and gave himself for it. That's a, that's a special phrasing. It doesn't mean the Lord doesn't love everybody. God so loved the world. He loves everybody. Uh, but the expression of that love is specific based on the situation and who in the relationship. God loves the lost, but he doesn't love the lost like he loves the saved. He loves the saved, uh, but he, doesn't, he, he has special love for his churches, those who are in it. You know, an understanding of what a church is is absolutely vital to prospering in our Christian life. And we may think we're prospering in our Christian life, doing whatever we think is good and so forth. But, you know, if, if we veer outside or if we uh, uh, minimize uh, the, the, our faithfulness in church... In doing whatever it is we're doing, no matter how good it may seem, we're doing just like Uzziah here. We're not doing it God's way. There's a lot of people doing Christian things in many ways uh, and seemingly good things. And in many cases, there are outward uh, 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 value to what they're doing that people see and they'll, they'll praise it and so forth. But, but, they're, but they're, they're not uh, valuing what the Lord has put and, and told us he values. And... You know, there's more to church than just uh, being in a service. 
There's a whole lot more. Well, what is a church? A church, all the metaphors that are used, but you know, the one that's the most powerful is just as a body. I mean, there's all kinds of relationships in life, but wait a minute. The relationship with my arm to me is about as close as you're going to get. <laughs> in other words, one body. But he talks about a church when he says that. Well, the members then are in the Lord, then in that church, are looked upon and, and described by our Lord in, in that way to emphasize how how closely connected everyone is. Well, you know, here's where the problem comes, pastor and preacher, and you, you know that in a, in a church setting and everyone here will, will understand this. Um, is there ever friction between members of the body? Um, and, you know, we wonder, well, you know, wouldn't it seem easier? A lot of folks think this. It, you know, it'd be a whole lot easier if I just kind of did my own thing. And a lot of people do their own thing. And the idea of, of having to work together and, and be as one body. I mean, you know, to work as one body, we have to, as the scriptures say, submit one to another. Amen. Oh, that's a tough one. Submit one to another and uh, work one with another and love one another and be, and be with each other. That's where the hard part comes, you know. You can get along with people if you keep a distance. <laughs> but you put them together and it's like, whoa. <laughs> and... We all know that. We all know that. That's where the, that's where the sparks start flying. And, uh, <clears throat> and we say, well, you know, there seemed like there wouldn't there be a better way to do this. Maybe we'll just start a business of some kind and call it Christianity and so on. We'll do it that way. And the uh, Lord says, no, no, no. Forsake not the assembling. That's a church. That's what that means. Forsake not the assembling of ourselves together. And uh, that's more, as I said, than just, well, showing up for a church service. That means assembling together as one body and then laboring together to do what he has called us to do, which a church's commission is go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature and uh, the, the, the whole work, everything centered in that. You know, there, there's going to take a, a lot of working together, a lot of growing together. We don't want to greed the spirit, so relationships have to be right. And we find there's friction and so on and so forth. And we have to face those things. We have to deal with those things. All of a sudden, it gets, it's there's work. <laughs> It is not easy to just be one body and say, oh, perfect unity. It's, you know, automatic. No, it isn't. <laughs> We're sinners saved by grace, like your pastor said. No, that's, that's, that's what we are. And so the sparks are going to fly. But, you know, the Lord is using that. The wisdom is in this. How are these things going to get smoothed out to where we work together? By putting them together and seeing them work together. And uh, at any rate, th- th- that's just a, an illustration of the same principle in, in application in, in, our, uh, in our day. But that's at the center of, of God's will for our life uh, in, the, in the New Testament. So we get saved, we get baptized with the authority of the New Testament church, and we are part of that body, and we serve, and we labor, and we grow in that situation. And the worst thing to do that can ever be done is that it gets difficult, and we pull ourselves out, and we get over here, and we... We start forsaking that assembly. And uh, it's trouble. It's trouble in our life. We're headed for trouble. That's not God's will. It is never God's will. And, uh, but anyway, going back to Isaiah, uh, Uzziah here, um, <clears throat> he's, he's reproved here by the priest. But what's important, you know, it's good to be reproved. Reproof is a part of the Christian life. We, we need to understand that. And we need it. Uh, the scriptures tell us uh, uh, the word of God is inspired, is profitable for doctrine. And the next word is reproof. <laughs> for doctrine, reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Those, all those things are kind of like, well, there's things about us need to change is what it's saying. And the word of God is doing this. So uh, that's a part of the Christian life. So reproof is important for us. But what's important is how do we receive reproof? 
What do we do with reproof? What did Uzziah do? Well, verse 19 says, then Uzziah was wroth. That means angry. He was furious. Well, that goes along with that pride that we read about earlier, see? Lifted up with pride, then he can't receive reproof. When, when, when pride has a hold on us, we don't want to hear any reproof. No correction. Don't tell me what is right or wrong with me. Don't tell me how I should change. I will do as I. That's the I will of Satan that goes all the way back to the beginning. You see where that comes from. Uh, and uh, he was angry. Had a censer in his hand to burn incense. See, the sad thing is this. Uzziah had the opportunity when he was reproved to respond correctly to the reproof. He had done wrong. We all do wrong. But what do we do when we get reproved? That's the, that's the question. Not, are we sinlessly perfect? You know, the Bible speaks about David. He was a man after God's own heart. I often wonder about that. Man, he committed more sin than anybody. <laughs> and some bad stuff. And we know that. And yet, the, 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 the end analysis or, or, or uh, uh, eulogy, I guess you could call it, of the Lord concerning David, a man after God's own heart. <laughs> you say, well, how does that fit in? You know one of the things about David, and in fact, the important thing in this is that when David was reproved, when you, you find that he was reproved, sometimes it took a little while with circumstances. Sometimes it was, a, uh, you know, the direct reproof of the prophet. But when he was reproved, he humbled. He broke. Because he had that heart that wanted to do right. He wanted God. He, he did wrong, but he needed to be reproved. He needed that reproof to wake him up. And, and when that happens, then it's like, no, no, I don't want this. I, I want to be right with God. And that was the burning desire of his heart all the way through. And that's why it says he's a man after God's own heart. It wasn't the external. God looks at the inside, see. And so our heart is so important. With Uzziah, his heart got lifted up. That's the, he, he, was a, he was a target then for destruction because of that pride. And so when he was reproved, he had a chance to respond to that correctly, but he didn't. Uzziah was wroth, and then it says then, as we read down, that uh, the Lord smote him with, uh, with, with leprosy, it says, and then he, then he ran out, but now he's leper. And the Bible then, all it says in the following that, verse 21, and Uzziah the king was a leper unto the day of his death. After all the good, we read chapter 26, and he prospered and all these things for so many years, and then this, this incident that day, because lifted up with pride, then he, 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 he lightly esteems the things of God. His pride moves into a place of just uh, doing what he wanted to do, even though God didn't instruct him to do that. And then he's reproved of that in order to, to help him just, you know, get right and do right. And his pride caused him to be anger. He rejects that. And now he's a leper. The consequence just, I mean, it just goes downhill real quick, real quick with him. And uh, <clears throat> unto the day of his death. Notice his death. Well, back in Isaiah chapter 6. In the year that King Uzziah died. You see, in the beginning of Isaiah, it tells us that Isaiah reigned. It says in verse 1, chapter 1. Vision of Isaiah, the son of Amos, which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the days, number 1, of Uzziah. And Jotham and Ahaz, Hezekiah, etc. But see, the reign, or the, the reign, the, the prophecy and time of of Isaiah began in the reign of Uzziah. Isaiah knew Uzziah very well. And undoubtedly was very close to him because as we saw, 
Uzziah was a king who did right. Here's the prophet of God. Here's the king doing right. And their relationship would have been very close. I'm sure Isaiah loved Uzziah. And so I'm sure that when this happened later in Uzziah, it doesn't tell us how long then he was a leper, how long unto his death. But the point is Isaiah was here at this time and now he sees what happens with Uzziah. And so then he sees Uzziah all the way unto his death. You know, the fact that he died as a leper also tells us something. Um, The... the, in that, in that time leading up to his death, there's nothing and there's no indication, and it indicates seemingly the opposite, that there was ever a time when Uzziah broke and got right with God. You know, that opportunity is always there if we just listen sometimes. You know, but do, do, have, you, do, have you seen it? Have, have, you know, I, I, I can sit there and I, I can think and I, I, I know circumstances, situations that I can visualize. People have gone down this road and it's amazing. It's like, why continue on that road? Why keep going on that road? And inside there's that, there's that tight pride that despite whatever comes, despite what consequences come, it's amazing that that, that, that has such a hold. It, you know, pride just becomes like a, like, a, like a chain that just holds on to people. And, and, and they'll just continue on that road, continue on that road. And finally, there's nothing can be done. Their life just comes, just comes apart. And all it is, it just comes back to pride. <laughs> that we, 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 we won't let ourselves be humbled. And to, to varying degrees, this is a danger for every one of us. Uh, and for Uzziah, it, it took him all the way to the end. But the, the point is, we come to Isaiah here. Isaiah has, has lived this. And he sees this. And, and our Lord says this at the beginning of this chapter, that preceding all of this, what the Lord then showed him, it was in this time period, as he's, as he's lived through the death of this wonderful king, that now he's seen this, this terrible tragedy of his life. Isaiah's heart is troubled by all this. I mean, it has to be. It has to be. He's the prophet of God. He has a heart for God. And, 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 and yet he's seeing this. And and then God begins to show him some things. God now gives him vision of, of course, now the, not the temple on earth, but the temple in heaven. And he sees the Lord sitting upon the throne. He sees the seraphims. He hears the voices, holy, holy, holy. And the righteousness and holiness of God is just, how can we, we don't have words. <laughs> All we can do is read it. <laughs> read it and let it, let it sink in. He, he is seeing this. But it says in verse 4, And the post of the door moved the voice of him that cried in the house. Notice this, the house was filled with smoke. Now, Revelation chapter 8, verses 3 and 4. Revelation chapter 8, verses 3 and 4. <clears throat> we have another vision. John, and uh, again, in heaven. Revelation 8, verses 3 and 4. And it says, and another came, angel came and stood at the altar having a golden censer. Starting to sound familiar. Remember the scene with Uzziah in the earthly temple? And there was given unto him much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. And notice verse 4. And the smoke 
of the incense, which came up with the prayers of the saints, ascended up before God out of the angels' hands. You know, in verse 4 in, in Isaiah chapter 6, it said the smoke filled the house. You know, that wasn't some fire that started because, the, you know, uh, we burned the toast or something, you know, lit the house on fire. This is not uh, pollution smoke here. This, this in, the, in the temple here, before the Lord, the house is filled with smoke. This is the smoke of the incense. This fills the house here. Isaiah is witnessing this, but put it together. He has, Uzziah has died. His sin was transgressing in the temple, in the burning of the incense, in the smoke of the incense. Then, because he does not respond to the reproof, he is smitten, chastised by God. Not to, not to punish him, but to bring him back. That's always the, the purpose of God's chastisement for his people. But Uzziah didn't respond. And finally, he died. And Isaiah is grieved over this. And now God is showing him this. I wonder, I wonder why he's seeing this. I think the next few verses maybe help, maybe put a little light on this. Because the response of Isaiah then in verse 5 is, Then said I, Woe, it's me, for I am undone. And certainly that would be true. He has seen the Lord in the holiness of God. But the connection is with this, the scene that he's seeing. And he sees the house filled with smoke. And he cries out like this and says these words also. Because I am a man of unclean lips. Now why his lips? What is it about his lips? It's unclean. He said, I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. There's a reason why he would say that. And it doesn't. I don't know, this is, this is conjecture, preacher, so, you know, I, I want to say that. But as I think about that and consider this, and considering the circumstance, and, and, and the fact that God is showing him this, and the connection, I, I, I just wonder if maybe that for Isaiah, it had really troubled him about the severity of the chastisement of God upon Uzziah in what he had done. Because, you know, from the earthy perspective, things don't look that bad. We, we, you know, the things of God, they, we, are, are they important to us? You know, we sometimes take them pretty lightly. And uh, <clears throat> we have to be careful. Because the things that God values as important, if we start not valuing them as important, we become, get in the danger of Uzziah kind of territory. And maybe for Isaiah, in seeing what happened with Uzziah, Maybe it troubled him. Maybe it grieved him. Maybe even in his heart or maybe even with his lips. He had maybe said, I don't know. It just seems like it's too much. It's just too severe. God shows him the temple. And he hears the holy, holy, holy. And then he sees the smoke. And then when he sees that in the time when, after Uzziah had died, Isaiah had to remember. He had to remember what Uzziah had done. And it's almost like God is saying, Isaiah... I want you to see and really get it deep why what Uzziah did was so terribly wrong. And God is helping Isaiah to come to grips with this and say, yes, yes, because God is always righteous. We don't always think that. That's why we have to be careful. But he is always righteous and always just and his ways are always perfect. And so this happens then and he cries out like this and it says in verse 6, then... Flew one of the seraphims immediately, <laughs> having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken from the tongs from off the altar. And we could connect all that together, too, because that, that fire starts from this fire out here, the altar of sacrifice. And the altar of sacrifice in the uh, earthly 
temple is the, is the place of sacrifice, symbolic of the Lord's sacrifice on the cross itself. And, uh, but that's the point. So uh, the coal from off that altar touches his lips, and it says then, uh, thine iniquity is taken away and thy sin purged. Just as it is. But notice what it's on, on the heels of. It's because of his cry of, of brokenness and woe is me, I am undone. His contrite and broken heart, it just pours out here. He sees himself and he cries out to God. And that is the state that he is then in when the, 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 the coals touch his lips. And it's in that condition, then at that point, with that broken and contrite heart over all of this, that he's in hears the voice of the Lord. You see, there's something that preceded his hearing this voice of the Lord to which he responded. You know, if we just start with, and I heard the voice of the Lord saying, we say, well, Lord, you know, speak to me. Uh, You know, I want to hear something. And we don't hear anything. (laughs) Well, maybe it's because our heart needs to be broken and contrite before God. And we really need to see and accept it and submit to him. He is holy. He is righteous. And what he does is correct. Even if I don't understand it, Lord, I'm the one that's wrong. And with that broken and humbled heart, he hears the voice of the Lord. Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then said I, here am I, send me. That's the story behind here am I. It's a broken and contrite heart in Isaiah. That's what allowed him to hear the voice of the Lord. There was the tragedy of Uzziah. Uzziah had done right, but then he did wrong. There's the haughty heart, the lifted up pride of Uzziah. There's the humble heart of Isaiah. And you know, any one of us is in danger of the Uzziah heart. And uh, we, we, we can start down that road in small ways. And uh, the thing to do, no matter how far on that road we've been, is that we get off that road as quick as we can. <laughs> we don't want that road to become our road unto the end. And, uh, and for Isaiah himself, notice what he did. When he saw this, he, he immediately humbled himself. I mean, what did Isaiah do that was wrong? Well, he said, my lips. And, you know, it doesn't matter what it is. What we need to do is be before God and see him as he is and humble ourselves. Be sure that there isn't that element of a, of a heart of pride in any way that's rising up. But we'd be broken before him and humble. And who knows what God may do with us in that place. It's, it, it's our humility he's looking for. And uh, when it comes, and we're willing, then God can speak to us. God wants to use every one of his people. You say, well, does that mean everybody's going to be called, sent off to some foreign field? No, it doesn't mean that. But it may. And uh, whatever it is, we need to know what God wants, and then we need to be responding to it, as Isaiah did. So what is it that God wants to do with us tonight? Maybe we don't know. Well, if we don't know, then the place we should be is before him saying, woe is me, I am undone. Lord, cleanse me, cleanse me, and then speak to him.